0: Oh, we're going to get it. We're going to get that vodka soda. You don't even know the ingredients.
1: (laughs) I really hope. Did you have to submit a formula to that to get the cola? (laughs)
0: Uh, All right, this is the Still Talking Podcast, our reverent distilling industry podcast with Colton Zeno and myself, Brian. And today we have a very special guest, Jeff Whistlidge. Whistlidge, Jeff, we've got Jeff from Indiana.
2: Thanks, guys, for having me. Uh, Who
0: canceled? (laughs) You did, like multiple times, you bastard. Johnny (laughs) (laughs) Jeffries.
2: Yeah, Johnny Jeffries,
0: except we always cancel on him because it's funnier that way.
2: Well, I'm really happy to be here. It's been a lifelong dream. Even before I knew about this podcast, I knew I wanted to be on a podcast. And uh, it's great to be here. Oh, this is your first podcast, huh? Uh, today. First podcast today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I love you, Jeff. So, Jeff, you are the owner-operator of Cardinal Spirits in lovely Indiana. Give us, uh, like, five seconds to tell us what you do and who why you're special.
2: Yeah, so I get to serve as co-founder and president of Cardinal Spirits. We're a craft distillery in Bloomington, Indiana. We're actually celebrating five years this month of being open. Of course, there was, you know, raising money and doing build-out before then, but our doors have been open for about five years, so it's nice to be on the podcast right now. We make a bunch of different spirits, rums and vodkas and gins and liqueurs and some whiskeys both for ourselves that we distribute to 12 states plus Washington, DC. And we have a tasting room that's really robust, serving dinner and cocktails and brunch and lunch on weekends. And then we also do a lot of contract and co-packing. So we do a lot of private label work for retailers and we do some work for individuals and we do some work for larger distilleries that need products done that their large bottling lines can't. So we do some really custom stuff and that's our business.
0: Damn. That was a really good answer. Yeah. Thank you. You should do more podcasts. Yeah. I have no more questions. Yeah. That, that covered. Oh, I do have a question. Cause like, so you're in a very great position where you've been open for five years and there's quite a few new distilleries uh, in another five to 10 years. Do you think you'll have actually made any money in the industry?
2: Well, You know the best thing about this industry, to you know, if you want to make a small fortune, you start with a large fortune.
3: (laughs) Yes, yes. I do. I do want to say that the brunch is exceptional. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, I did have the brunch, and I believe I had hash with uh, maybe was there like shishito peppers or something in that? I vaguely remember like a hotter pepper or something.
2: Yeah, poblano potato hash. It's awesome. Poblano,
3: yes.
0: Uh, I'm so jealous. I missed that this year. Uh, my my wife sends her uh, love and regards to you, Jeff. She still talks about the trip when she got to come out and visit you and uh, photograph the distillery. And she said you got you like rolled out the carpet for her and took care of her. And I'm equally like happy for her and incredibly
2: jealous. Yeah, she's always welcome back. You can come too, but she's always welcome back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not
0: surprised. I've at her heard that a lot. you <laughs> right. My wife, my kids—they can all come out. Me, it's, it's a little sketchy.
3: Yeah, so Jeff, I—I I think one thing that I've taken notice of you do, which I love, is your canning right of cocktails, specifically vodka soda. Um, <laughs> what what goes in? <laughs> we're trying to crack the code. Um,
2: you can try, but you'll never—you'll never get the trade secret from me.
3: It's like the ever everlasting gobstopper. <laughs> um, yeah,
2: and I didn't mention that, but we, we do a lot of canned cocktails. We started those two years ago, maybe maybe earlier than you know most, certainly not the first to do canned cocktails, but we are certainly early amongst craft distilleries. We did two of our most popular cocktails from our tasting room, which was the Bramble Mule, which is our Bramble vodka, which is a black raspberry vodka, and then you know, ginger beer lime. And then we do a Maui mule, which is similar, but has passion fruit in it. So it's a little bit more tropical.
0: And those have been really successful, right?
2: Yeah. they. I mean, within a year, they started out selling every other product that we had combined. And that's still growing, you know, exceptional growth.
0: What kind of distribution are you doing on that?
2: So those are in all of our markets. And in fact, that's how we... Got some additional distribution for our own spirits was that we went to distributors with the canned cocktails. They said, "Yes, we need RTDs. We'd love yours. Great, great product. Great branding. Great price." And we sold into you know these various states for a year, and then they said, "Hey, what else do you have? We like how you you know you guys work." And so we started offering you know our gins and our vodkas and whiskeys, but it's been great for us for sure.
3: So what So what made you do that? Because, I mean, there's plenty of distilleries that have tasting rooms and do cocktails, but what really made you, like, flip the switch and you're like, hey, we should can these?
2: Yeah, from the beginning, I always noticed that there was a huge disadvantage for spirits, especially the spirits we made, because although we make whiskey, it wasn't an initial focus of ours. You know, we did a lot of vodkas, gins, liqueurs, rums, and all those spirits, while delicious, um, generally require – you know, we really kind of made them for the cocktail market. And I just realized that, you know, if you went over to somebody's home for a party, you show up with like a six pack or a bottle of wine. That was great. You know, you pop them open, you're ready to go. You show up with like a bottle of vodka or rum or gin. First of all, your, the reaction from everybody was like, whoa, all right, what's happening tonight? I didn't know we were going to get crazy. And then you're like, no, no, no. I just need like some simple syrup you know, some basil, you know, <laughs>
3: citrus. Has to be freshly foraged. <laughs> See, I, I just show up with a handle. I take out the little plastic thing off the top and I say, yeah, we're just going to pass this around and fight Yeah,
2: <laughs> It's going to get and real we get weird. we stuck in the corner making cocktails all night. I thought this is ridiculous. So let's try to make them like a little bit more accessible. And that's what we came up with the, you know, the canned cocktails. And, you know, I think we wanted to do them first. And then it was like, well, what do we want to do? Do we want to make a, you know, a gin-based cocktail, whiskey one. We thought, well, what's, what do we know really well and what works really well? And those were our the two best sellers in our tasting room.
3: So do you guys do the canning or do you use a contract like a mobile canner? Yeah.
2: In, in or, the beginning we yeah. used a contract manufacturer out of state and it was a total nightmare, uh, Man it was just, so
1: you had to send you had to send the bulk product out and it would
2: come right out yeah and, and, and it was just a mess. Um, we ended up having to do some blending there and we would send people to the facility and it was just a real nightmare. And so last year, we got a law changed in Indiana because we don't have some of the equipment that we needed even for a mobile canner. Uh, we don't have um, like a chiller and carbonation tanks. So we got a law change in Indiana allowing us to can at a brewery as long as we met certain requirements. And so we've started canning at a local brewery and that relationship's been great. We've been able to bring money and jobs back to Indiana, have better quality control checks and, um, you know, save on shipping. The logistics are better. Everything's much smoother. And so um, I know that a lot of your listening audience is the Indiana General Assembly. And so I'd like to say thank you <laughs> to them for all those that are listening today.
3: If that's where Caleb
0: lives, yep. then Caleb is everywhere. That's You mean yeah. listener? No, we're not doing Caleb. That's not, not a thing. We're definitely doing <laughs> Caleb. So, Jeff, you, uh, I know in Indiana, you guys have had a lot of success getting laws changed, things updated. You have a little background in the political arena yourself. Has that kind of helped with your connections, or what's what's kind of the the status in Indiana when it comes to regulation and legislation? Yeah, great question.
2: Spirits? So, you know, I'm seeing it on the shoulders of Ted Huber, who you know runs Starlight Distillery and Huber Winery and really amazing place in southern Indiana. He was pushing for craft distilling laws in the early 2000s. And, you know, together we've teamed up and really pushed some things through. So the, the big law changed in 2013, which allowed craft distilleries to sell directly to consumers. And that was, you know, just like in other states where it really kicked off the craft distilling movement. Indiana put some weird restrictions on that. They wanted you to actually be a producer of beer, wine, or spirits for three years prior to have like a tasting room, which was kind of weird because it there was really no other distilleries. So it really just said like, if you were a brewery and a winery and you wanted to start distilling, you could. Um, so that law has been changed a little bit and now it's down to like 18 months and that's fine. Um,
1: Wait, so you still have to be open for 18 months before you can open it? Yeah, dictionary?
2: exactly. So you'd have to be open for Unless you were a brewery or a winery existing. Yeah.
1: Is
0: that kind of an incumbent um, protectionist yeah. measure for the state? or what's The, goal uh, the
2: initial that? thought behind it was that they wanted to see um, this new type of entity have a clean operating record before they started opening up all these distilleries all around. And so, Other than that, I have to say that the General Assembly has been like incredibly supportive of the craft distilling movement, and they've done some really interesting things. So one of them is if you want to sell on site, 60% of the product that you sell has to be fermented, distilled, and bottled on site. So it pretty much eliminates sourced whiskey, which was maybe their intention in the beginning. Maybe it wasn't, but that was the... You know, unintended consequence of that, perhaps.
3: There's no sourced whiskey. Yeah,
2: in right. And I, I mean, I think it's kind of amazing. So, you actually have a bit of like a consumer protection uh, in Indiana. If you go into a craft distillery, you know that they're actually distilling it, you know, fermenting. They actually say ferment, distill, bottle on site. And I think that's pretty neat. I mean, it changed our business plan a bit. And I think it changed some other ones a bit, but it, I think it So your
1: your initial business plan was just all
2: things. Well, I think you know, initially we thought we were going to at least source neutral spirit for our gen. And, sure. you know, instead we started making our own neutral spirit uh, and, you know, we're really happy that we did.
1: It has to be 60%, right? So you could
2: source percent Right. Yeah. And, you know, I the think term. there are certainly some early players that were redistilling neutral and kind of claiming that even though they didn't ferment it, or maybe they were fermenting some things and adding neutral to that fermentation. And then.
1: Well, it still counts if you throw yeast into your. Yeah. Right.
3: That's going to ferment. Right. That's how (laughs) yeast works. It,
0: Jeff. Is that sixty percent for each individual product or for the distillery as a whole? Like sixty percent. Yeah, you know,
2: I don't think that that the regulators understand it completely, but I believe the way we've always interpreted it it was that it had to be of each bottle.
0: What other kind of uh, legislative issues do you have on the docket for this year? Because you have a uh, Indiana Distillers Guild. Yeah,
2: you know, we have a loose guild, I should say. We've tried to get things going, and that it actually hasn't hasn't worked super well. Uh, unfortunately i think because of kind of like this two tier two class system there's some distillers that are up and running and are happy to be that and then there's others that want to get into business and want to remove that 18 month uh waiting period and so it's hard to get everybody to agree on anything
1: could you just yeah yeah. could you just open get a brewery license and then turn around and open a we you'd have to just, operate the brewery the for 18 day, months
2: for 18 months you yeah. could buy a brewery that's existing and about to close which you know as we all know there are lots of those so that's an option that i think some have exercised yeah
0: What's the liquor license law like in Indiana? Is it a commodity style? Like there's a limited number per state, per region, or is it open No,
2: it's No, it's pretty heavily regulated and it's by um, county and based on population. And county. So where we live, we're in a college town. They're very expensive. Um, we did not have to purchase one because we sell our own stuff. But if we wanted to try to right. buy one for like a second location, it would be very expensive.
0: Okay, so that's not like a workaround. You couldn't
2: just open up a
0: side restaurant. You could or...
2: in some communities, um, but not, not ours, unfortunately. At Holiday World Park and Safari Water Park in Santa Claus, Indiana, enjoy roller coasters, family rides, plus free soft drinks. Get your tickets today at HolidayWorld.com slash StillTalking slash <laughs>
3: Uh, can you just do our ads for us? (laughs) That would be great.
0: Right. You have a great podcast voice. And especially when it comes to the advertising, you just feel free to plug
3: anything you want at any point. I mean, holiday worlds is, (laughs) it's a sign that I used to see all the time in, uh, Louisville when I was there. I was like holiday world. I don't know what that is.
2: Yeah. It's a great place. Number one on TripAdvisor for families.
1: (laughs) families.
0: I thought for sure you are going to do an ad for TripAdvisor. No, I love that I was you waiting stopped for it. hard. It's a
3: great place for families. But no one else. No one you don't else have a family? Like, Fuck off. Zeno, you fucking loser. You don't get to go to Holiday World. You. Lonely. No one wants you to go to Holiday World when there's families. You lonely there, son of a bitch. Uh, um, uh. That's, that's great stuff. Uh, so... As was a hard pivot. What is, what's on the docket for 2020?
2: Yeah, thanks for asking. So, uh, we really want to expand, um, not necessarily to different states, but kind of go deeper in the states that we're in. Uh, we're focusing a lot on co-packing and contract work. That's been a lot of fun. We, we love the clients that we have and we're going after a few more. Uh, I think you'll see some additional canned cocktails from us. We're kind of, Debating through a couple of them, so I'm not sure which one we're going to pick probably for this year. But you'll see, uh, you'll see some additions there.
3: You need to get some of those down here for uh, Mardi
2: Gras. Oh yeah, that would be that would be great. Thanks for um, hosting those cans This uh, oh yeah, that. For, forget about gotcha. it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Are you worried that as you expand your? um yeah, your contract work that you're going to start stepping on mgp's toes and they're going to come after you
2: yeah we've seen uh some mgp trucks drive by and when we look out the door they speed off it's it's very they're wearing fake mustaches do you
3: have a van outside your place right now that says florist on it because because i have some news for you it's mgp
2: uh, well, one thing that's nice is they're, they're some they're like our best partner on some of this contract work because they're just down the road and uh, you know they're they're happy to send us a tanker of whiskey so that we can make products for some of our clients. So we do enjoy working with them. So
3: yeah, so I mean, I know that Colton's done contract work where he was, and I do some. How do you walk that line without it cutting into? Your brand and your business, because I mean, it's tough and there's every, I almost approach every single contract. It's completely unique. I'm like, okay. And then after you work out all the numbers and it has to be a good fit. And I know that you do a a fair amount of contracts. So I'd like to know what your approach is to that.
2: Yeah. And you know, I give a lot of credit to my business partner, Adam, who gets to do a lot of like the account management or kind of the customer relationship and and the the handholding. And really it has... It does go the gamut so there's everything from you know four men who want a vodka brand to a retailer that already has like existing distribution and they said hey look we need a certain product at a certain price with you know this kind of label go to um you know a large company that says look we want something hand tied and finished in a special way and we want it labeled so that it can go out to accounts in a certain way and our line runs you know a couple thousand bottles a minute we can't do that and so you know each one i think you're right is different each one of them is a little bit of a challenge and we you know we're still learning you know we've only been doing this for a few years but we love all the customers of course the customers that already have existing distribution are the our, our favorite customers or ways that, you know, we can sell quickly. The ones that are just ideas from people and we need to do more work are always more of a challenge.
3: Do you do some storage and aging, anything like that? For
2: you know, our, our core business isn't really like contract distilling and aging. We kind of feel like there's people that do that better than us in the, in the market. And certainly with our proximity to Kentucky there's just a lot of people doing that down there. I think our our specialty is really uh blending, packaging, you know, sourcing things for people. And we do, you know, we do a large amount of, you know, R&D and flavor creation and finding a spirit and blending it to the, you know, customer's satisfaction.
1: Is there anywhere where you wouldn't take a contract because it's you're considering it competition or it's you know it's funny
2: we, we actually ran we into something scared. just like about a week ago where we were like, boy, this is this is close to something we've been wanting to do.
1: They said we want to make vodka soda in cans. so
2: <laughs> <laughs> we have the
3: <this> secret proprietary <laughs> recipe. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So far we've just always thought like, you know, rising tide yeah, concept, so. What percentage of your
0: business right now is the contract work versus what you Yeah, you're doing that's now?
2: a good question. I think it's about uh, a third of our business right now, I'd say.
3: That's pretty, okay. that's pretty substantial. Yeah.
2: Keep some lights mm-hmm. up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How close are you to kind of filling out your capacity? Like, are you guys running multiple shifts? Like... Could you, how much more do you, have? how high is your ceiling? Yeah, so
2: right now, um, there would be some people that would tell you that we are are getting close to there. We're running two shifts right now, two eight-hour shifts, five days a week. But we could be doing three shifts and seven days a week. Um, So I think, you know, this year we'll probably see some investments in packaging, you know, a more automated line uh, and maybe some additional tanks. But otherwise, I feel pretty comfortable with our capacity.
1: How does, how does Indiana deal with the expansion? Like this having been to your place, I can see you running out of. Print. Yeah,
2: I know. Uh, we can get, they kind of follow the federal guidelines so we can have like additional bonded spaces under our current license within like 10 miles, but they're, yeah. And then after that, we'd have to get additional licenses um, for production facilities.
1: Is there, like, I know Tennessee recently changed the law where we can now age in any county. It used to have, you would, if you wanted to age in a separate warehouse, it had to be a, you know, county right next to Oh, time. really? No, that's interesting. Um, but that's that's expensive for people in Nashville versus, you know, middle of East Tennessee or, or Southern Tennessee. Uh, yeah, but who wants to live there? Well, you don't. That's why you age <laughs> it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, they haven't they haven't said anything specific about that. Interestingly, with our canning, um, the law change that we had for the canning, you have to can with a brewery in the same county that you're in, which I thought was you know an interesting. Were, the, the, were
1: the breweries on board with this? I mean, obviously, eventually they they were because the law. Yeah, up, so
2: they they.
1: But initially, when the idea came up, they it,
2: they were very concerned that um, that we were doing anything to jeopardize their license or threaten or change. But then now, you know, we're certainly canning with a local brewery, so they were happy. And I think there's another distillery in Indianapolis that's canning at a at a brewery. So at least two breweries are are benefiting from this.
1: Do you feel like big bourbon? hope's lobbying efforts in Indiana, or could, are they just so different that it's it's not helpful at all? You know, there? distance so is how always out sure
2: a presence probably. here, if, if that's equated to Big Bourbon. And sure. in 2013, they were okay, and since then, they've been much better, I would say, and, and much more helpful.
3: This is the most clean and professional and concise episode we've ever done. Uh, so I want to bring up that we went to a bar that you recommended, Jeff, and I don't know if we've ever explained it to, Finger to bucket. Brunk- yeah, Finger <laughs> Bucket.
1: I know the game has a name. No, that is the name. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty Wait, wait, sure is this
3: the name of the bar or the game? What, what? I'm pretty sure it's not Finger Bucket.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, it's
2: called Keep the Biz. So,
3: yeah, and name the bar, too, because like, we have to get you know props to that bar but
1: name it like an advertisement <laughs> yeah
3: can you do an advertisement for a finger bucket and the bar that would be great and also high proof that was creative.
2: one of my favorite memories of 2019 so you know we hosted the american craft spirits association which is where i met you know kind of all of you uh competition in bloomington in october and you know i always just think it's like some of the best drinkers in the world um you know, incredible judges from uh, people like Jason and, and, uh, you know, great bartenders, great writers, great producers, consultants, you know, people that are basically professional judges uh, and, you know, people that probably drank like pre-Napoleonic, you know, brandy and, you know, been to a field. that's all i drink what kind of <laughs> you know <laughs> what kind of pedestrian drinker do you think And you, uh, <laughs> you know last year it was in la and after the last day of judging we went to like the nomad in la for like an incredible dinner and went to broken shaker and just had like incredible food and drinks and cocktails and i was like where are we gonna go in bloomington indiana Uh, We don't have anything like that. I was like, oh, we've got like the quintessential college bar, Nick's English Hut. It's been around for over 100 years. Let's have pizza, fried mushrooms, mozzarella sticks, and then play Sink the Biz, which is a game that I think originated there. You basically get a bucket of beer. Think of it as like maybe, I don't know, like a pail, small pail bucket And then you put a small glass inside that, and then everybody goes around and pours beer into that glass. And when that glass sinks, the person who sinks it, the last one to pour beer into that glass, has to reach in there with their fingers, pull it out. (laughs) The grubby, dirty dick beaters. Chug that beer, (laughs) and of course, you know, all these people were initially reluctant to play said game and then after like 5 or 10 minutes uh, well, while you guys were there what would you how would you describe the scene
3: well we you got it for our table mm-hmm. right so it was myself Colton JJ and Reed and Reed and Reed yeah. and, Mueller. and, and Mueller. um and uh and Reed's dad yeah. and Reed's dad <laughs> who is an amazing human being um and you send over and we're like what the hell is this we were all very skeptical and Before we were done with the first round, which I lost, for the record, um, every other table in that place was playing this
1: game. (laughs) I will say our first round as well, we sank the cup, but it was so perfectly level that it didn't look like it was quite sank. So we just... Went probably another two rounds around the table of pouring more beer and yeah. talking about how crazy good we right, were. because at you this had all game. these
3: scientists around the table and couldn't figure out that if you took this much out, yeah, you have to add it back, or it's not going to displace, so that drops down. And uh, yeah, I believe that JJ took a picture of of it because we were all amazed <laughs> yeah. of the surface tension. We're like, this is incredible. How did we not sink this yet? Yeah. Wait, so Jeff, how
0: long until you recreate this at Cardinal with Bramble yeah, exactly. Mule? Like, obviously. Or that's vodka the next soda,
2: step. right? I mean, vodka soda for sure. Or back, yeah. vodka sodas.
3: Um, so, all right, so the, talking about those again. So, where do those land at ABV?
2: Um, the Bramble and Maui are 6.5%, and the vodka is 5%. And where, how, why did
3: you land there? Was that more of like a flavor profile? Was that a tax bracket,
2: business, or was that
3: a tax bracket thing? Like, yeah, we I
2: don't think we, we thought land there. Uh, much on tax. There was some consideration about like the liners and the cans, and but really, taste was you know the leading factor there. We thought at that at that spot it was great, and then with the vodka soda, we wanted a little lower proof so it could be like you know, an all day kind of drinking situation like white claw. Um, I've never, <laughs> white. What was that? White. What?
3: It's the one with the uh,
2: mermaid
0: okay.
3: on it. <laughs> Truly the one where uh,
0: any kind of laws yeah. cease to exist. Yeah, you know, I've never,
2: never seen one dog. of those. I hear about them occasionally. But... Yeah.
1: Not in that college yeah. town you live in. Yeah, not in that no college way. town. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Zeno brings up a good point about taxes. Uh, now you have a higher tax liability because it's got uh, a, a spirit in it, as opposed to say yeah. a malt beverage. Do you think there's any any potential for getting parity on you know, canned cocktails to kind of lower the
1: tax? No. I mean, that's a whole second lobbying effort. It's it's kind of we're of having sure. a hard enough time lobbying yeah. to keep the FET.
0: No, if you're gonna do it, just keep adding on to it.
3: More lobby. Also, lobbying. I want a turkey sandwich. <laughs> you know, a lot
2: of people.
0: <laughs> um, we didn't get FET this year, but Zeno got his turkey sandwich.
2: You know, a lot of people great. claim that Puffy mattress is without a doubt among the most comfortable mattresses available. They frequently compare it to enjoy sleeping on a cloud. Also, clients suffering from back pain say that they feel relief with Puffy's adaptive, flexible cloud technology. With Puffy, you receive both a 101 night sleep trial, along with a lifetime guarantee. Incredible mattress for your money. Puffy's top layer is Certa Plus USA certified, and is made of cooling cloud relief foam. Check us out at puffybeds.com slash stilltalking slash <laughs> Jeff Oh
3: my god. Jeff, that's the hardest I've ever laughed on this show. And it's... Um, yeah. <laughs> That doesn't say a whole lot because I hate this, but, <laughs> but, uh, the, uh great. um,
0: okay. Fake ads. That's a new thing. You just started. So, um, back,
3: yeah, the tax bracket thing too. Uh, so I actually have a technical question. So when you're getting those, you're talking about 5% and you're adding there's sugar. So how, it's got to be pain in the ass to make sure you're right on the nose, right for the TTB. I know it's like even when you make liqueurs, like the TTB certified method to proofing those is it's not dis- is distilling it. Yeah, distilling we have to, it, right? we have like, to
2: not... uh, test or you know batch distill. I'm sorry, lab distill those uh, right before canning and adjust accordingly. Uh, yeah, so
3: that's cumbersome, I'm sure. Yeah,
2: I was I always wish that you know somebody would invent that great system to just figure out those with sugar in there, but it just hasn't happened. Or the other thing I'm looking for is like an inline proofing machine where, you know, you have like your high proof spirit and thing that you're going to blend and, you know, you just run them through this thing and it uh, automatically adjusts it. Is there such a thing? Does that exist?
3: There's inline proof meters that I used in that cream fun factory um very cheap very affordable yeah but, but like they were really hard to dial in too right especially in a dynamic system but i think i know that i worked on with uh organ ryegrass spirits or whatever it's called spiritopia we had an hplc method where we shot two standards where it was more accurate or as accurate as Ooh. redistilling by a landslide and we were working on it and there's different methods and it was way it was easier right i i put a sample in i put the standards in and i put the sample in and that's it um Mm -hmm. but not everyone has an hplc or someone to run that so i think there are there's actually room for growth in that method for sure and i know that like beam for there's
1: one thing we know about the ttv is that they are quick to accept changes
3: yeah so I mean like Beam had I think it was a Rudolph alkalizer that they could do proofing on it and it was like all in one machine. It was it was pretty impressive piece of machinery, but it was only TT certi- certified for Beam Suntory. So like they got that piece of equipment Ooh. certified to do that. So yes, Jeff, it's all available and out there. Just uh <laughs> you know, be open for like a billion years and have a billion dollars. Memory of a
2: guy calling me before we were open and saying, I have this machine. Not many people use it, but it's really impressive. And it would do all these things. And since then, I've tried to find him and I haven't been able to find him. He was like in upstate New York. He was basically like, yeah, you just have like a tank of high proof spirit and some blended thing and, you know, together combined. You plant these three yes, beans. Yeah, exactly. it works perfectly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that um that is a very loose story, Jeff. Um, <laughs> I don't know who this person well, is. we will
1: put listener. Yeah, on, if anybody
2: Jeff.
3: out there listening? Yeah. Caleb, get on yeah.
1: it.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah listener, right. find him.
1: So, uh, but Jeff, I you so you were talking about an inline proofer. If I understood your actual question, it was while you're pumping you want it to read the spirit and then do all the calculations and pump soda water at the appropriate amounts and mix it yeah could you do Is that, that? you were asking for yes. yeah i mean they won't be accurate or you know <laughs> uh consistent but i can certainly get you two pumps yeah. <laughs> two pumps <laughs> two pump cold <Colton>. yeah <laughs> Yes, that is the nickname. I, would uh, like I think to we stick. just made a new shirt. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, that's amazing.
1: Jeff, I know you have a good story about. So, you you know, I know you do, you've done ACSA, basically run the back of house for the judging for since it's been invented. Um, but you started in ADI and you were telling me a story about one of your first experiences there. Um, where I, I guess it started as a reaction oh for a, a skid of glass. Oh my God this is so escalated. great.
2: You know my story you know you know people always want to know like your origin story and in addition to being you know bitten by a radioactive spider that allowed me to become a distiller as many of us <laughs> have, I same spider. yeah, same spider it travels around and it's fine. I, you know, I really wanted to start a distillery for many reasons. I started doing research, you know, of course, when you start doing research in America and, you know, the, you know, the late aughts, you come across Bill Owens. And that was right after Michael Jackson had passed away. The whiskey writer, not the singer um, from Gary, Indiana, by the way. And did not know that. They were releasing, they said, that oh, we're going to do this scholarship. And I thought, well, this is great. This would be my entree. I can, you know, I'm okay at raising money. Looks like they need help raising money. I emailed Bill Owens. He's like, I'm in France, but actually the vice president of our organization is Penn Jensen. He lives in Bloomington, Indiana, which is where you are. Why don't you guys meet at a bar? Which is pretty random. I mean, Bloomington is not a, a big town. And so that was amazing. I meet Penn. He says like, great. We have an auction coming up at our conference. It's like in a month, you know, you and I are going to work on that together. Also, there's this judging. So we did this judging right before that. That was when uh, they did the judging, you know, the day before the conference. It was all kind of a chaotic mess. And the judging was funny for a number of reasons. But uh, the night of the auction, which was at the 21C in Louisville, downstairs in kind of this uh, kind of ballroom, You know, it was, um, and actually Alan Katz, who's at New York Distilling Company, I think was the MC, and it was just kind of a lame auction, you know, with lame items, basically, like, you know, somebody had like a bottle of whiskey that was okay, and, you know, somebody was volunteering to do label design for somebody, and maybe take photos of your bottles, and you know, oh, somebody could help you come do something with barrel. I mean, it was just kind of a very much like ad hoc, like bootstrapped auction. And then somebody randomly had like a spare pallet of glass at their distillery and like had contributed that to the auction, you know, something that they couldn't really use. And uh, at that time, Owens, Illinois was, uh, you know, a big sponsor of API or wanted to get into it. And there's just a table full of Owens, Illinois people. And uh the glass palette auction actually sparked like a little bit of interest. And you know, a few people start bidding on it. And then this guy from OI gets up and he's like, Hey, listen, I made my career selling to craft beer guys. Some of you are in the room tonight. You made me really successful, I made you successful. And I want to do the same thing for craft distilleries. I'm going to contribute a truckload of glass to this auction. And everybody just lost their mind. It was insane. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, people start bidding, you know, they're pulling out their phones, calculating how much it can be. You know, all of a sudden it's like, you know. I think the pallet was going for like $500. People were kind of excited about that. All of a sudden, we're up in like, you know, thousands, 5,000, 10,000, you know, 12,000. People were just going insane for all this glass. Uh, and it totally changed the whole night, the whole energy of the night. And uh, I don't know what happened to that guy. He wasn't at the conference the next year when we had the auction. I assume that they, uh, you know, reined him in a bit. But that was... I've I've never seen anything like that <laughs> yeah said what do you mean you just came away <laughs> the
3: can you step inside my office because <laughs> <laughs> you're fired <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah it was insane I never uh, you know I've done lots of fundraisers and been to lots of events but that one like still stands out as like an insane amount of excitement and people throwing money around I remember talking to I think it was Alan and he's like What's happening? We were like, we have no idea. Um, I can't remember who ended up getting the glass, unfortunately. And I also don't know what happened to that initial pallet of glass. There's a lot of mysteries out there. So if any listeners know, that would be great.
3: Yeah, Caleb, right in. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: oh, bullshit. Jeff's got a truckload of glass behind the distillery to this day.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's how I started my fortune.
3: so um
0: that
2: is a good ACSA
3: conference is coming up i'm assuming you're going to be there
2: yes it's in portland this year
3: portland yeah we have all been to a plethora of conferences so besides seeing all your two-time-a-year friends (laughs) best um, friends best friends what what are you looking forward to what's exciting you about a conference like how do you get jazzed up for it
2: okay well it's exciting for me because portland is the city that i have spent the longest in a hotel which was actually for adi's conference like in 2010 or 11 (laughs) i spent like 10 or 11 days in same hotel i actually Uh, took my clothes out of my suitcase and put them in the drawers, which I feel like is a pretty big accomplishment.
1: I hope you did that on like day nine. Yeah, I know.
3: I don't think anyone's ever done that. Wait, do you guys don't do that like (laughs) as soon as you get into a hotel room?
2: (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, but not my clothes. (laughs) I just like to leave clothes there. I buy clothes just to put them in drawers. Wait, wait. why were you in a hotel for that amount of time? Were you
2: there on a sales trip? Like, Just hanging out? So No, it was ADI's conference and they did the judging. I think it was like, we did judging like the two days prior to the conference. I think the conference was like three days and then there was a day of cleanup. And then I think I stayed for like an extra two days to like actually, and I think like for those, that first week, I don't think I left the hotel. And then I was like, oh, I should see Portland and go to mountains, question mark. And then check those out. <laughs> yeah. We we stayed at the the Benson, is that right? Is that the hotel out there in Portland? I
3: I that sounds like the name know. of a hotel.
2: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, ADI was there. They put this they put stills like in the lobby. It was all insane.
3: So you're looking for a return to that. So you're hoping to be there twelve days.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've requested the same room. You want to see if your clothes are still. Yeah, exactly. The clothes are still there, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I want to see my did you go yeah.
3: to the flower garden in Portland?
2: No, oh, I didn't even know about lovely, this. They have a
3: lovely like flower garden, rose garden, and then the best part is the Japanese garden.
0: I will attest to that. It's okay. actually really nice.
3: It's a really nice Japanese garden. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um,
2: hmm. you, do you guys know that, like in the back of, um, you know, like let's say magazines when you are growing up, there'd always be like a picture of a man wearing like a French beret. And you could buy that hat. Do you guys remember yeah. this in the back? The classifieds in the, yeah. back, the magazines? Yeah. That store is in Portland that you can buy that hat at. And I think they have other hats, but it's unclear. No, it's just, just that hat. On
0: <laughs> it's only it's ever that. been that hat. That's the only thing the store
3: sells. They do Portland also yeah. has a nice cheese bar where you order cheese like sushi. There's like a little checkbox <laughs> thing. And it's that's that's that the end of this. Nice. That's the end of my story.
1: Last time I was in Portland, I walked by a vacuum store that was selling vacuums that were definitely made in the 80s. And I don't know if you guys have been That's in the cool. vacuum mar- market recently.
3: And they were hiding Jesse Pinkman the <laughs> yeah, entire time. Yeah. That
1: was exactly <laughs> how I felt. I don't understand. The, the random
3: happened. bit of Portland
0: news i learned about a couple years ago was from our mutual friend leah hutchinson uh formerly of acsa currently at toppy and she informed me that portland has the most strip clubs of any city in america apparently Uh, and then proceeded to tell me the
1: best food at strip clubs yes their food's amazing.
0: right right there's this weird cross section of (laughs) like food and entertainment (laughs) and just wild strip club culture that i was not aware of and i was really impressed leah knew it and then she proceeded to tell me like three or four years of these stories of distillers at strip clubs and her like taking care of them so they didn't die or get arrested it was pretty great we need to have lee on this podcast at some point
2: oh yeah she's got some good stories about certainly i remember that one because the benson was right right near a strip club i can't remember the name of it but there's a lot of uh you know distillers going to the strip club and coming back with like jackets uh, i think something with a rose but you know what speaking of portland um For nearly a century, Danner has crafted boots with purpose and integrity, footwear to equip those who choose the unlikely path, those who cut fresh trails, those who pioneer. Charles Danner came west to build the best boots loggers had ever known, an effort that resulted in a long-standing heritage brand with a renegade spirit, a spirit that proudly lives on in each pair of Danner boots we make to this day. Free shipping, free returns shopdanner.com or the mobile site. <laughs> Still talking.
0: <sighs> I've never been so happy. You've made us so much fake money. Uh, yeah. So many cease and desist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every time you uh, list one of these ads, they're losing money hand over fist. Yeah, because someone
3: has to listen to that first. So. Um. Great. Uh, Well, I did like a partial grunt there, so we can do final thoughts. Um, Let's do it. Jeff, I am glad that we're friends and really happy that you came on here and really look forward to when you make it to New Orleans sometime. And uh, I hope I can make it to Bloomington again.
2: Oh, that'd be nice. Because I... I'd like to come to New Orleans over Memorial Day weekend. Are you going to be around? I don't know when Memorial Day is. <laughs> I literally don't even know the month it's in,
3: um, so maybe. <laughs> I'm going to answer for him. Yes, he'll absolutely be there.
2: I'll confirm. Be yes. Yes. Yep.
3: Um, yes uh, sure. Absolutely. I w- yes.
2: You well, guys, it's been a total honor and a treat to be on here. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no, I'm- uh, It is neither an honor nor a treat, but I really appreciate you <laughs> yeah. blowing smoke up our ass. It means a lot to us. And I will uh, echo what uh, Zeno just said and say, we freaking love you, Jeff. And I can't wait to see you and give you a giant man hug. Oh,
2: good. Well, I can't wait to see all of yes, you soon. The strip
1: clubs in Portland will be great. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm very uncomfortable in strip clubs. I do not want to go. <laughs> well,
1: except for That's
3: food. just...
0: Except for when you're Except working. Except for there. the food. That's yes. that's yeah. the only strip club I want to go to is the one Zeno is working at. Yeah. Yep. Yikes. <laughs> and with that, we love you, dummies.
3: All right.